welcome to the My Curious Colleague podcast with your host, me, Denise Veneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs, like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. Hello, my curious colleagues. Today is fifth, yes, fifth in our series of really highlighting that intersection between consumer relations function and other cross-functional teams within your organization. Really, the intent there is to help you optimize collaboration, communication, and ultimately the value that you bring to your other teams in the organization. And who's better to do that for the marketing function but my colleague, Chris Graziano. Chris currently is the marketing director Chips in Campbell Snacks. Think brands like Cape Cod and Kettle branded potato chips. He's been at Campbell Soup Company for the past 12 years in a variety of roles across marketing, divisions, and geographies. And that is where I got to know Chris. Chris is also a Villanova graduate and advisory board member for the Villanova School of Business's Center for Marketing and Consumer Insights. So, hi, Chris, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Denise. This is my first ever podcast, so thank you for having me. Well, I am so honored. You know, who would have thought, looking back, I don't know how many years ago when we were working together, that we would be at this spot um, right now. And I'm just glad our paths crossed and got a chance to catch up with you and everything. Yeah, me too. I appreciate you asking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you spent most of your career, obviously, in CPG, and in particular, the food and beverage um, industry and marketing roles. So tell me a little bit about your responsibilities now as a director. Yeah, um, you know, I would say marketing director is pretty typical brand management role. So, you know, to me, brand management has always been very similar to running a business, Um, you know, responsible for top line revenue bottom line profit, market share goals. Um, so, you know, I think that's that's the best way to summarize it. I would say that, you know, marketers, of course, need to be experts in demand driving. So, you know, whether that's advertising or innovation, you know, just really try to drive, you know, sales of our products, loyalty with our brands. Um, and as you know, um, nothing gets done individually. So you've got to work well as a team cross-functionally. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's pretty typical for brand management jobs at companies like Campbell. Mm-hmm. And I know you have a, a team of folks um, that you work with um, and, and just wondering what might your expectations be for the consumer relations team working with your gang now that you're responsible for this entire, you know, segment of chips and um, how might that be different than the early days when you and I worked together? Yeah. Um, you know, I think what hasn't changed is, I mean, I've always viewed consumer affairs as an underutilized function. Um, I just think there's an incredible amount of value that, you know, our consumer relations partners can bring 
because when you think about it, I mean, they're really the functional partners who are talking to consumers every day, like a two-way dialogue. Um, so it, it's really valuable information that I think you guys can bring to the table. So I think, um, you know, to me, that hasn't changed across different roles I've had over time. I think, um, you know, certainly like being a consumer myself, I could see how consumer affairs plays probably even bigger role in like services industries. Um, but I would say even in, in a company like Campbell where we're selling product, um, like I said, I just, I just think a lot of rich information that, you know, my expectation is that, you know, my consumer affairs partners are bringing that to the table and also that my team is asking for that information is acting on it. Um, because it's just, like I said, there's not, there's not many people in the company who are literally talking directly to consumers. So I think, um, I think it's really important. Yeah. I, lo I love the way you articulate that because it's so darn true. Um, you know, obviously the channels have changed a little bit and, um, you know, we're doing more through maybe nonverbal channels, but you're right. We're still having that conversation with consumers. And I also liked what you said about, you know, sort of ensuring that your team pro it sounded like proactively reach out to that uh, consumer relations gang. Yeah. I mean, I think like a good example would be, you know, oftentimes we'll do like, um, you know, innovation brainstorms, like, you know, mm -hmm. based on our consumer, based on our brand, based on the marketplace, like what ideas do we have to bring new things? And to me, you know, I would expect that our consumer relations partners have a seat at the table and something like that, because they've got so much feedback um, on our existing products. And I'm sure consumers are often, you know, sharing things they'd like to see. So, I just think there's a ton of information to bring to the table. So I, I, my expectation is consumer affairs, consumer relations is, you know, a primary cross-functional partner in, in any of that sort of demand driving activity we're doing. Um, because, you know, I know I sound like a broken record, but you guys, yeah. mm -hmm. you guys are the ones that are, are talking directly to consumers. Just keep on saying that. It's like music to my ears. You know that. Let's flip that perspective. Um, what, would you, you know, as a marketer, what are some tangible tips? Because I'm, we're all about the tips here at my curious colleague, uh, at least one or two uh, that you can think about. But what would you say to a consumer relations person? Like, how can they improve that connectivity with marketing? So um, definitely you're having your gang reach out and, you know, invite, but how about going the other way? Any tips there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that I think that what has changed is just the amount of ways consumers have to get in touch with us. I mean, you know, back in the day, it was probably just writing in or calling in. And now you've got social media, you've got e-commerce sites. Um, so I feel like the consumer affairs folks are probably inundated with more data than they've ever had before. So I think given that, I think then the challenge becomes, you know, what what should be shared, what requires action and what doesn't. So I think to me, it's just it feels like it's a pretty fine line to balance because the benefit of, I think, the consumer affairs, you know, information is that it can be one of like the first pieces of information you get, like it could signal something that maybe you won't see in other sources for another 
few weeks, few months. So it's like, how do you leverage that opportunity, but also make sure that we're not overreacting to things that are really small um, or there's just kind of like a vocal minority that, um, you know, is loud, but, but maybe it's not something that, you know, requires any sort of action. So I, I think that that's the, I don't know that I have a good answer for how to do that. I'm, I, I think it probably comes with a lot of experience um, in terms of when is something worth sharing and when isn't it. But I think, um, you know, I think that's probably the biggest thing is like, yeah, let's utilize this information as an early warning sign, early opportunity, mm-hmm. but let's not overreact to every single thing because then, you know, we're just, we're never, we're, we're going to constantly be, be kind of churning. Yeah, I think the two things I'm hearing, and they sometimes go hand to hand, is so it's like be there at the ready, so be there early, um, because it's true, especially new products. I love that position um, to be in. That you know, often consumer relations, first time you're hearing things, or even if there's advertising that's on the air, um, but that's when it becomes a little bit of an art, not a science. To your second point, yeah. like knowing when to prioritize. Um, how to react to it and to bring those things to the table. Um, Yeah, it's difficult because sometimes you're like, or at least on my end, you're saying we are the voice of the consumer. So even though it might be this polarizing advertising spot or um, flavor, you know, do you want to hold all that in? Well, not necessarily. You do want to share that, but I think it's part of a broader conversation you know, here's what it is. We, right. Or how how would, no, I, I agree. How would that Um, look today? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's another thing that I think um, complicates things today is that, Mm -hmm. you know, I think brands are, well, first and foremost, consumers are just like overwhelmed by messages from brands because like what we were talking about in terms of new sources of consumer affairs data. I mean, there's so many different advertising sources out there than there were five, 10 years ago. So it's like one challenge for brands is like, okay, how do we communicate in a way that like breaks through the clutter and is like, you know, attention grabbing and, you know, um, you know, kind of worth stopping and paying attention to. Um, and I think what that sometimes means is that you got to be a little bit more provocative in your communication. So if you combine that with the fact that I think it's fair to say we live in like a very polarized society where no matter what you say, like probably someone's not going to love it. Like that creates another challenge because it's like if we're trying to do things to, you know, break through, but then inevitably there's some folks who are not going to react well to that. Okay, so then what do we do with that information? Um, it, it goes back to what you and I were just talking about around, you know, what, when do we share, when don't we, or is it important just to share so that there's visibility to it, understanding that we might say, okay, we're just, we're going to keep going on this. Um, so I think it is back to what you said around an art and a two-way conversation. Like, let's just, let's put everything out on the table and talk about what we do with it, if anything. Yeah, that's some good good ads. And really with the, the overlying message there was for consumer relations, I think is what I was hearing is understand your brand's marketing strategy. 
so that you can put this feedback into better context, you know, know that they're, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. And so I think no, that, that right. And I, yeah. I have listened to some episodes of your podcast and I know that that has come up in the past, the idea of making sure like you guys are in lockstep with what brand teams are trying to get done because I, I know we're going to get into some of the work we've done together, yeah. but it's like, I, I think that oftentimes, and this I think is more on the brand team around if we're going to introduce a new product, make a quality improve, launch a new campaign, consumer affairs partners need to know that because it's much easier to then prepare for potential consumer inquiries versus one day fielding a call from a consumer and being like, oh, I didn't even know that like this is something that we put out there. Yeah. You know, that that bums me out. It rarely happens. It never happened at Campbell's, of course. <laughs> but um yeah. Thanks for playing that back. Appreciate it. Um let's let's get into it. What what we worked on together. Yeah. And I'll just kind of maybe level set everybody to recap. I was leading um, the small analysis and reporting team. You were associate brand manager on Soup. Which brand do you remember? Was it Chunky? Uh, it was Healthy Request. Healthy Request. Which is Excuse me. Kind of cut across a few different brands. Yeah. So I tapped into you. Who else was game? Jennifer Moses, Don Wood. And so the idea really was that we wanted to connect more deeply with our internal partners to understand those comments, similar to what we had just been talking about, and to think through the next steps. And we ended up um, calling that tool the uh, CIS or the Consumer Impact Scorecard. And let me just say this. It wasn't this brand new, never heard of before idea of getting cross-functional folks together to dig into a potential problem and come up with opportunities and next steps. So that wasn't novel. But what was novel was that we had never done that in, you know, in my time there in consumer affairs. So I think that's what made it really kind of um, interesting. And uh, this, this template we put together, um, you know, looked at everything in terms of complaints, inquiry, praises, and really it was used as a springboard discussion on, on a quarterly uh, basis. And we try to meet together with you all, marketing, quality, mm -hmm. uh, product development, if we were lucky, and, and packaging um, yeah. in a room. So having, having level set that, from your perspective, um, what worked with this, with this process and what could we perhaps have done differently? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, so I forgot that it was called Consumer Impact Scorecard. So thanks for the yeah. reminder. Um, I had to ask no, somebody to, to confirm that. <laughs> One of the people on my team. <laughs> nice. um, yeah, so I think there's a few things that I really liked about that. And, and you know, I've, I've leveraged that experience a lot since then. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, it goes back to what we were saying around like underutilized partners, underutilized data, because you know, in addition to what we mentioned around, hey, consumer affairs might be the first first stop for like a potential, you know, opportunity or challenge that's going to come down the road. I, I think the other thing is, in some cases, if not for this process, if not for consumer affairs bringing information to the table, we we may never have seen the opportunity or challenge because if you think about how marketers look at their business, 
you know, they're, they're tracking consumption. A lot of times they're doing it like a total brand level. And if they don't get down into like individual SKUs, like, you know, you guys might come forward and say, Hey, we've gotten X number of complaints on homestyle chicken noodle and it's plus whatever percent versus year ago. It's, it, you know, this is something that we're concerned with. It, it, it might be that without that, you would never notice the issue. Um, so it's, right. it's not just like sort of the first time you hear about something. It might be the only time. So I think to me, that was the, like what was compelling from a business perspective of implementing this process is that it makes sure that, you know, you're kind of covering all your bases. I think what I, what I feel was best about the way it was set up is the fact that it kind of forced an in-person meeting and it formalized the process. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, let's be honest, people are, have a million priorities, you know, a million emails. And, you know, if that information came over email, hopefully somebody does something with it, but maybe they wouldn't. But if you, if you meet in person every month, you have designated people on mm-hmm. each team who own it. Um, it's just, it's more likely that, there's going to be action taken from it. So to me, it was the formal process around it and the face-to-face meeting to review and discuss the data that made it most effective. And I was, you know, I was proud of the fact that that's a process that ended up rolling out across the organization. And Mm -hmm. um, I think, not that I would remember all of them, but I'm sure we took some tangible actions that, you know, likely delighted consumers. And that's, that's what Mm -hmm. we're in this for. So um, so yeah, I, I look back and feel really good about, about that project. Yeah. Couldn't have done it without, uh, without you and, uh, our other buddies. No, I appreciate it. I... Like everything, it's a team effort, you know, like it's because it's not like you mentioned the other folks who were involved. It's not just consumer affairs and brand. I mean, some of the things we're looking at have a packaging lens. Some are related to the product formulation. So like everything in, in our jobs, it's, it's about the team. Yeah, that still holds true. What might we have done differently? Did you answer that? No, I skirted that question. Did you? Um, okay. It was, it was a perfect process. Um, okay, no, then uh, we'll just... Joking, joking. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do think, <laughs> I think to me, um, I think what I've learned over the years is just how important it is to understand how people are incentivized in their jobs. And I mm. think that if we could do that all over again or just do it a second time, I think making sure that the folks who are going to be part of that prod process, you know, in their annual objectives, that, that it was a big piece of how they were going to be evaluated at the end of the year. Um, because I think mm-hmm. that everyone wants to do what's right for the business, but like we said before, everyone has so many different priorities. I think if you could make sure that everyone that's going to be in that room is going to be held accountable to make sure that our complaint to praise improves year over year, or, you know, we, we resource and we complete one quality improvement project, whatever the right metrics are, but putting something like that on the table so that, um, you know, people are going to be, I think when people are going to be held accountable, it just, it just drives more action. Hmm. Good point. Um, the one thing I really like from the consumer Fair's perspective was that, again, getting back to that, making sure we understand the marketing strategy. I mean, it just kind of emphasized what the business was looking for in those discussions, you know, because things change, right? And you want to make sure you're always understanding what's the strategy, what are the touch points? And so is it that we need to work with them 
with work with you all on our coupon, a coupon strategy or a direct mail initiative, or is it you want to dig into something deeper and a, on a product quality and we could get into the survey. And I think if I had to be honest and said, what's the one thing that I could, we could have done differently. What's the one thing we could have done differently. And it's very tactical and it has to do with scheduling, which I don't think has changed. You know, if you no. want the, these big wigs in your, in your meeting, you're always in divisional or marketing team meetings. The product developers have their own set and to get everybody into that room, you know, figuring out ways. I think there's, there's more technology now and, and, and more ways I think to sort of agree on how that might look. Obviously it's going to be on something like a zoom meeting instead until we're all back in the office. Um, but that would, would probably the one, the one area that I know had some opportunity. And yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I, yeah, I think it, probably anyone listening <laughs> agrees that calendars are often a challenge. So, um, yeah, figuring out ways to make that meeting a priority and, you know, make sure that it's, yeah, to your point, just scheduled in advance, leveraging technology mm -hmm. so that we can, you know, we can have the conversation. Right. And then it also goes back to something else. I know we had talked offline and that was like, okay, who is the owner? And, mm -hmm. you know, if it's consumer affairs, okay, then you go run after that. Is it quality? You know, um, but I think it's figure, figure out. It's easily figured out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're getting to the end here and I ask everybody if they've got a volunteer group that they'd like to give a shout out to. Yeah. Um, I think for me, what I'm like really passionate about is the impact that sports have on people's lives. Um, I think there's a lot that you learn in sports that, you know, you can take with you into a career. Um, so for me, you know, I would, I would shout out Little League Baseball and Softball. Um, oh. You know, when I first moved over to Campbell Snacks, I worked on Lance Sandwich Crackers, which has a strategic partnership with Little League. Um, just an awesome organization to work with. Um, the things they do in their communities um, are yeah. amazing. I mean, I played Little League, so I, mm -hmm. you know, always look back fondly on that. So, yeah, to me, I think the, the shout out is for Little League Baseball and Softball, but I would just say, like, in anyone's community – supporting youth sports um to me i think is is a really positive thing because of like i said what it you know the camaraderie it builds the experiences opportunities it gives kids so um so yeah that'll be my shout out yeah absolutely i know my son benefited from that i know that you've got a a boy now and um yeah so thinking about the future now chris um are you seeing any changes or new developments in marketing touch points that may be changing for consumers in the future that may ultimately impact consumer relations teams? Um, yeah. I mean, I, so I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is, uh, is ratings and reviews. So I think, um, you know, I'll say internally, you know, at our company and my job, we're, we're talking a lot more about, you know, what partners we can work with to ensure that, you know, we're getting um, a good look at ratings and reviews um, that we're able to, you know, take action off that or even just understand, you know, how the information can be used to drive strategy. So I, I think to me, 
that feels like something that is going to become more and more important because, you know, with the explosion of e-com, I think the amount of places where consumers can rate and review your product has gotten a bit overwhelming. So it's like how it's such rich information. Like how do you aggregate and consolidate that? Um, so to me, I think, I think that's going to continue to be a pretty big deal. I even think about it in the sense of me as a consumer. Like, I think it's to the point where, like, I don't really buy anything unless I've read an online review. Mm-hmm. And I think that the two things that I've started to notice, one is, you know, how how do we sh- make sure that the integrity of those ratings and reviews is solid? Um, like, these are coming from real consumers who have had real experiences with the product or service. I think that's an interesting thing to start to understand. The other I would say is, you know, as a consumer, you just see like some companies are really good at responding. So I'd say there's a few things you see. Some companies don't really respond at all or maybe are inconsistent in their responses. Some companies are very comprehensive and do it really well. I think there's also this middle ground where you can tell that it's like this canned response that doesn't really have like a personal touch to it and isn't getting to like the root of the issue. Um, So again, it's tough because there's so much of it out there. It's like, how do you as a company respond to it? And also then how do you, you know, turn around and give that information to the right people inside? So I just think there's a lot in the space of ratings and reviews and, um, I'm kind of interested to see how that information gets leveraged more, gets strengthened. Um, because I just, like I said, I think I'm going to assume I'm not alone and that a lot of people, especially when you're making a big purchase, um, you know, really never going to do that without at least seeing, you know, what's out there. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point. And I think getting your head around that and seeing where that develops, um, cause it's already developing, I think is, is a noble it's a really noble task. Yeah, I mean, it used to be that it was you just go to Amazon for it, but um, yeah. that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, Saturday to chat with me on the podcast. No, I, this was fun. I appreciate you asking me. Um, you know, I think we did some really cool work um, back in the day, so it's it's fun to revisit that and see that it's yeah. still relevant today. Yeah. So thanks again, Chris. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneering. Thank you for your time.